Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Lighthouse Bible Church this morning. Let us begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to just thank you for everything that you've given us. We know that we don't deserve any of it. We know that it's only by your grace and by the unbelievable decision to have your son go to the cross for us when we were dead in our trespasses and sins and take on all of our sins and die and then be raised from the dead to new life that he'll he'll never, ever be dying again. And we thank you that it's so simple, Father, to have eternal life, that it's simply believing in your son, Jesus Christ, as our Savior. Father, Father, we thank you for leveling with us in your word. We're here this morning to listen to your word. We thank you that the Holy Spirit dwells our hearts so that we can understand the word of God and that it can do its work in us. And we also thank you, Father, for the body of Christ. We thank you for every one of us who are here and not here. We thank you for the work that the Spirit is doing with us as a group. We ask, Father, today that that work would continue as we sit and hear your word. We ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's all stand now and sing a congregation song. An oldie but a goodie. Well, good morning again, everybody. Schedule note, this Christmas season, we will have our regular schedule during Christmas week. So in other words, we'll have our Sunday morning service on Christmas Eve and our our Sunday morning service on New Year's Eve as well. I haven't decided yet whether we'll have a Thursday Bible study, so we'll see about that. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of December, which means we'll be celebrating the Lord's Supper again next Sunday. And remember, we, I talked about this last week. Grace Bible Church Pakistan is having its, its 14th annual Christmas Care Package fundraiser. Um, this year, the theme is the Tabernacle. And there are student uniform packages. Those are $15 each. Children gift packages, $10 each. Family ration packages, $26 each. But if you, if you act before midnight, no, no. We don't do that with, with grace, do we? Um, I want to let you know, too, that uh, thanks to the work of Mark Pomeroy, all the information, including the, the, uh, how you can pay different ways, is all now on our websites on the front page of that. There's a, under latest editions, you'll find that. Grace Bible Church Pakistan Christmas Care Packages. When you click on that, then you will see that there are three ways to contribute, okay, by mail, by Zelle, and by PayPal. There's also a link to see the whole um, multi-page description of this, pro, this, this uh, campaign that Grace Bible Church Pakistan provides. So there's all the information that you need. title of today's message comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verses 8 to 11. And I'd like you to turn now to John, chapter 16, verse 5. John 16, verse 5. And we will begin with our message this morning. John 16, 5. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. Or if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, 
the Helper, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me. For he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Well, this morning we're going to focus on verse 8 in particular. Verse 8 in particular. John 16, 8 to 11 is not good news. John 16, 8 to 11 is bad news. But it's really not news at all. We're going to see this this morning. As a matter of fact, it's the status quo of the world. It is, it is what the world faces. It, is what, it describes the world. It describes the issues of the world. It describes the gospel by the negative of it. You see, the gospel is the only answer to the bad news of John 16, 8 to 11. Again, let's read the passage. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Sin and righteousness and judgment. You're going to hear those words a lot this morning. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. See, if they did believe in him, sin would no longer be an issue like we sang this morning. And concerning righteousness, because Jesus says, I go to the Father and you no longer see me. While he was on earth, he was the embodiment of the righteousness of God. When he dies on the cross, he will vindicate the righteousness of God. Then he goes to the Father, and the world will no longer see him anymore. Therefore, the Holy Spirit comes on the scene to convict them of these these facts. And we're going to see this morning that the world doesn't want to know these facts. Okay, The world rejects these facts. For the Holy Spirit is the only one who can touch the hearts of the unbeliever to make them wake up and understand their real situation. Again, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. In other words, the world has no reason, has no possibility of avoiding judgment. And the evidence of that is that its ruler has been judged. These are three big, big, basic facts about the human condition. There's three basic facts about the human condition. The fact of sin, the fact of righteousness, and the fact of judgment. And see, the way these things work is that they, they, they follow along in order. In other words, sin is a description of the world. It's a description of us before we came to Christ. The problem is, is that the world doesn't want to deal with, doesn't want to recognize it even, pushes it away. If they don't believe in Christ, then they, they, the standard of righteousness will never be met. And that's, just, that's it, the standard of righteousness, perfection before God, God's own righteousness, that standard will never be met by anybody who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. 
And of course, even after you believe in Jesus Christ, it's nothing that we do that we earn any of that. It's all by grace. And then concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. In other words, judgment is a fact. It is a fact that the world doesn't want to look at. Okay? Just like it doesn't want to consider itself sinful. It doesn't want to have any standard upon it. And it certainly doesn't want to look at the fact that if you continue along that path, there's a judgment waiting for you someday. Well, these three things mark the extent of the bad news about the human race. The bad news about, well, what I'll say is the man of this world. And the man of this world lives in a, in a sphere of bad news and doesn't know it. Because these three things define the nature of a vast, lifeless, desperate darkness of humanity without God. They're sinners and they don't know it. There's a standard they can't meet and they don't want to look at it. There's a judgment coming and they don't believe it. But because those things are all missing in their consciousness, they live this life in a place that ultimately is lifeless. And, and this, is a, this, is, this is an all-encompassing description of the world, the human race without Jesus Christ. They're in desperate darkness, and they don't know it. Like Jesus said to the Pharisees, how great is your darkness because you think you're in the light. And that's the essential problem about this world. They won't recognize the fact that they're sinners. They think they're already in the light. They think that they're doing what, what is the right thing to do? They think that they're accomplishing something by their own standards, their own relative standards, but they're not. And it's really a desperation. And let me tell you something. In the, in the hearts of man lives desperation because they don't think about it. If they're lacking the truth about Jesus Christ, then they're going to have a desperation inside. Now, they may not be able to name it. They may, they may not really know at all what it is. But it's, we know it's there. We're going to see this morning about the, the real extent of sin in this world. And you're going to have to ask yourself a question. Can anybody whose total, total world is dominated by the descriptions you're going to see this morning possibly have peace in their heart? And the answer is no. Oh, they can, for a while, they can, they can put off the negativity that, that exists in them. They have, the world has all kinds of ways to do that, to give you an opportunity to ignore the problem, whether, whether that's substances, that you can ignore the problem, whether that's a, an inflated sense of yourself, your, your own definition of accomplishments, or, or whether it's something as simple as uh, being addicted to sporting events or, or shopping or something, anything to get your mind off the fact that there's sin and a standard of righteousness and there's a judgment coming. So the world is full of, the, of sin, the fact. There's a fact whether or not, in other words, the human race can split and does split and there's a viewpoint of whether or not sin exists, whether or not it exists. But it doesn't change the fact that it does. The, the, the world wants to reject any ultimate standard, right? Any clear definition of how badly human beings fall short of a standard that their creator has set. But they don't want to look at that. It's the, well, just because you don't want to look at it 
doesn't mean it ceases to be a fact. This is part of the deception of the world, the deception of sin, is that they, is that they can ignore the most obvious facts about human life. And, of course, the fact of judgment, which, by the way, nobody, even Christians, want to look at that one. How hard is it? Think about yourself. How hard is it when you give the gospel to talk about the fact that there's a judgment coming? Why? Because we, we, we want to be positive about it. But we have to understand that the, all of this constitutes the facts, the situation of man without God. They need to know all of that. Now, don't get me wrong. If we fail in that area, the Holy Spirit is still there convicting the world of these things. But you have to be honest with yourself and say, there is something in me that wants to, even me, that wants to pull back on telling people the whole truth. By the way, that's because, you know what? We're believers in Christ. Hey, we've been born again. We are adopted by God the Father. The Holy Spirit is in our hearts. But even still today, we also have the inner enemy of the flesh. We're going to see how wicked that flesh really is. And when we get there, we're going to, we're going to, we should also not only look at the fact that the world is condemned by this, but also that it's still in us. And that explains an awful, awful lot about what goes on in us. And what we still as Christians don't want to look at, particularly especially Christians, they don't want to look at the fact that these things still dwell in their flesh. Why? Well, because it's human nature to say, well, that's over with, you know. I'm beginning to think that confession isn't such a bad thing, by the way. Oh, not the ritual of it, but the idea that every once in a while, we've got to be honest and say, you know what? I'm still committing sins. Now, you know, we don't, don't make a ritual out of it. It's got nothing to do with the filling of the Spirit. But it's not so bad whatever you want to call it, to once in a while look and say, man, I'm still sinning. So and that's the fact. And we're gonna, I want you to think as we look at the fact of sin this morning, I'm going to also point out to you that you'll be dealing with that in you until the day that you die. But of course, that's nothing compared to what's going on inside the unbeliever. Why? Because they don't have the counteracting power of the Holy Spirit at all we're going to see that, the, that, the, that, the, that sin, the flesh, is ultimate deception. And there's no way, until the light of the gospel shines in the heart of a man, they are full of deception. They buy every lie that comes down the pike. Okay. So sin, righteousness, and judgment. Let me put it this way, another way to look at this. Sin what? The world is full of sin. If there's one thing that is a constant, about this world is that its sin is boiling over everywhere. We're going to take a look at that and give you an example of that this morning. Full of sin, empty of righteousness. Now, what kind of life do you think that is going to look like if a person is full of sin and empty of righteousness? See, there's no way that they can really be pleasing to God in any respect. Any respect. But what's worse is they think that there's not any such thing as sin, and they think they're okay, they're pretty good. And they think they're on their way to being a really good person. There's the deception. Satan is a master liar. And, and that deception gets all the way into the hearts of the unbeliever, and by the way, in our flesh even today. We've got something inside us 
that is lying to us all the time. One of, it, one of the things it wants to do is separate us from the joy of being believers in Christ any way that it can. And it's going to be there till the day we die. And so, the, you know, the sooner we accept that and sort of surrender the idea that somehow in and of myself, I'm going to beat that. I'm going to be a great person someday because I can overcome by my own will, by my own capabilities, by my own mind. The presence of sin. You can't. I've said this so many times. We're going to talk about it again this morning. Okay? The only way you can have a life that even honors God is because of the Holy Spirit indwelling your heart. It is the Holy Spirit that does battle against that flesh. That's why we, as, as Paul says in Galatians, we may not do the things that we desire, I never thought about this until I thought about it recently, and I still do that. You know, I've been, te- I've been teaching for a long time. But believe me, there's still things in the Word of God that pop out all of a sudden. You know, when Paul says, I know, when Paul says in Galatians 5 that the things that I want to do, that you may not do the things you desire. You know, typically we think about, well, that means the flesh has these desires and we don't do them. <laughs> but if, by the way, it works the other way. You know, this is Romans 7 says, boy, it, it, with my mind, I want to do good things, but with my flesh, I don't. And the things that I don't want to do, I do. As well as the things that I want to do, I don't do. Why? Because there's a battle. There's a battle going on inside of us. And, we, and not only that, but we live in that world. We live in a world full of sin. We live in a world empty of righteousness and... We live in a world that faces the gaping jaws of a looming judgment and doesn't know it. You know, you know, I'm not a, not a huge fan of some of the things that the uh, the Puritans, you know, those Puritan preachers in the 17th and 18th century. You know, I'm not a huge fan of that because they're beating down believers on things that really apply to unbelievers. But there's one phrase that. Um, that one of them said, Jonathan, uh, I can't think of the last name. Hey, it's Sunday morning. I haven't had much coffee yet. But anyway, what he said, he said, his title of one of his messages was Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God. Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Okay, what does that mean? It means that there is a judgment and that every unbeliever is facing that judgment. It's sitting there waiting for them waiting for them to continue along the road that they're on, that they think is fine. But one day, there's going to be a judgment of those people. And oh, by the way, we live in this world. Even though we are no longer of the world, we're living in it. We're living in a troubled world. All right? We can't escape it. We can't escape the things of this world in terms of pretending they don't exist in terms of thinking they have no impact on us. They have a lot of impact on us. There's no, there's no escaping it. We're, I'm going to look at an example this morning. We live in a troubled world. You know what that means? We're going to have trouble in a troubled world. Jesus said it. Look at John 16, 33. How he puts it. Because as bad as sin is, as bad as a world-facing judgment doesn't want to recognize it is, as bad as a total lack of righteousness in, in, in the majority of the people on this planet, 
And, of course, that's where the trouble comes. But notice what Jesus says. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. You have trouble. But take courage. I have overcome the world. And he's the only one who has. He's the only one who can. He has. He did it at the cross. At the cross, he literally, once and for all, dealt with the sin problem as it relates to the righteousness of God. See, that's the thing. If some, when somebody says, yes, I am a sinner, and, and then realizes that Jesus Christ died so that they could have be, be, be declared by, uh, by heaven that they are righteous in God's eyes, even though that we're, we're not at look. We're not, if you look at our everyday behavior as Christians, okay, as Christians, right, there's a, there's a lot that's, that has not righteous about even what we do. And the day we forget that is the day we, I've said this so many times, the day we become a monster. When we don't think that there's any problem inside, that problem, just like the world, they don't think sin exists. Therefore, there, there's chaos and murder and all the terrible things that we see in this world. But, See, I, Jesus, says I've overcome it all. And that's where we can rest. We can rest when we set our eyes on Jesus. By the way, despite all the things that are going on that are wrong in our life and inside even. Because we got the flesh. And it's going to work 24-7 to mess us up. Despite all of that, we know that in Christ, where we've been placed at the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit himself took us and placed us into Christ forever. And God can take a look at us now, and yeah, he, he doesn't. I mean, God's omnipotent and omniscient. He knows very well what's going on in our daily lives. He's, but, but he's saying, you know, all right, yeah, that, that's, that's a temporary thing, but I'm looking at this person who's in Christ, in my son, forever. And so any of these things, you know, for God a thousand years is one day. So anything, any of the tribulation going on inside us or outside of us is a temporary thing. But God looks at the end product. God looking at the fact that, you know, he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. There's our faith. But, you know, even in that, it has to say, well, if he's got a work that he isn't finished with, what do we look like until that work is finished? That's a good question to think about. On the one hand, yeah, it'll depress you. On the other hand, it should encourage you to say, I don't have to be perfect. I I don't have to fight sin in my flesh. I can't anyway. See, the thing about it is, is once you accept the bad news for what it is and then realize that God has dealt with it, even though it's not completely finished the work, then you can rest. Stop trying to improve yourself. Understand that God has made a promise that the Holy Spirit is at work and that one day the, the, the Holy Spirit will completely demolish the work of the flesh. Of course, it'll be the day we die. But the fact of the matter is, is that he's at work. He's always at work. We can relax. Christ has already had the victory at the cross. We can relax. We don't relax, but we can. Okay. So, back to our passage. What does it say? The first thing, you know, you can look at it again in John 16, 8. The first thing, we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning on this one statement. And that is, 
that the Holy Spirit convicts the world concerning sin. Now, I don't have you. I don't know if you've ever seen um, a, a live scene in a courtroom when somebody is declared guilty, and you'll often find that the defendant still wants to wants to say, "I'm innocent." I claim I'm innocent, even though I'm guilty. And other people around them who don't want to face the fact that they're guilty of a crime, maybe it's a mother, maybe it's a friend, they, they don't want to look at it either. What am I saying? I'm saying the Holy Spirit convicts the world concerning sin, but even after that, most of the world won't accept the verdict. See, it? The, the minority who do become believers in Jesus Christ. Because they realize that they're wretched and there's nothing they can do about it. And they need a savior. And if they're honest about their situation, they'll know they need a savior. And they'll actually, if, if they're ready to hear, and this, they'll actually rejoice in the fact that, that, that while they're a sinner, there's a savior. You see? That, but the Holy Spirit has sometimes do a lot of convicting, a lot of convincing. And this is not just, you know, we picture that as sort of like, Having a big loudspeaker and saying, hey, you're sinners. But in reality, it's something he's got to work through with the world. Okay, just like he has to continue working in us. Okay. The Spirit convicts the world concerning sin. And the the world needs it. That's a picture of an event on October 7th of this year, 2023. According to the Times of Israel. This is a week later, 15 October, 2023. They wrote, On October 7th, over 1,500 Hamas terrorists stormed Israel's border around the Gaza Strip and murderously rampaged through the southern areas, taking over communities and killing the men and the women and the children they found, as well as overrunning military sites with similar deadly results. The toll from this bloody assault, by the way, this is one assault on one day, okay, which came alongside a widespread barrage of 5,000 rockets fired indiscriminately at towns and cities across Israel has swelled now to more than 1,300, the vast majority of them citizens. Thousands more were injured, hundreds of them seriously. Among the dead were dozens of babies. Some of the victims, including entire families who were butchered, were reportedly beheaded. At an outdoor music festival surrounded by the attackers, 260 people were systematically mowed down. In addition, the terrorists abducted more than 150, I believe the number now is closer to 250, people of all ages, including children and elderly women, dragging them to Gaza as captives. And Hamas has continued to indiscriminately rain rockets on civilian areas of southern and central Israel since the attack started. Those are the facts. <laughs> now, to me, I, I look at those facts and I say, just on that one day in this one event, how can anybody deny the fact of sin in our world? And yet they do. There's hundreds and thousands of people today who are protesting in our own country, caring not at all about this event, but only that they can move their hearts toward even more hatred. How can anybody say that? And by the way, I'm not making a political statement. Okay? You can, what I'm about to say is just, this is just what happened on one day. 
Okay, so but this is something that is part of the human condition. See, we want to think that this is unusual, not the normal course of events in this world, not how the world works. Well, I got news for you. That's not the case at all. This wasn't an exception to the rule. This is the rule of this world. The Holy Spirit convicts the world concerning sin. The story of fallen man, I don't care how far back you go, is a story of unrelenting cruelty and bloodshed. Period, end of story, over and out. Well, this won't be a history lesson today. It's a Bible teaching. But if you were to take a history book and turn to any page of it, you will see wars and battles and conquerors and vanquished. You will see rape and cruelty. Pick any century. Google, for example, a list of wars from 1800 to 1899. By the way, there's thousands. You hear me right. There were thousands of wars just in one century. There are, there are, and, and if you start to, you know, I won't depress you anymore, but if you do that, you started reading those things, what actually happened, you would realize, you know what? What happened October 7th is not the exception to anything. There's been rape and murder and torture in every decade since the human race began. And yet they want to say, mm-mm, we're not sinners at all. That's insanity. But that's the insanity of the, of the flesh, the insanity of sin. I want to show you a graphic. I guess I'll depress you a little more. You're like, oh, my gosh, that's busy. I don't want to look at that Sunday morning. I'm getting dizzy. Well, you should get dizzy. This is 600 years of war. That's what we're looking at, 600 years of war. <laughs> I hope you notice that it's, it's ongoing that, that red line, it never drops to zero, right? It's ongoing. Some, oh, sometimes it bumps up, right? Like in the Thirty Years' War in the 1600s or the First and Second World War, those are the big dots up high. But it never goes to zero. And, and yet, people can say that there's no, there's no sin in the world. Yes? The red, okay, yeah, good question. The red line is the number of deaths from war per 100,000 people. There were times that that got up to 200. 200 deaths per 100,000 people. And multiply that by the total population, you get some sense of the butchery that goes on. I don't want to depress you, but I want you to understand why Why does the Holy Spirit have to convict the world of sin? And why is that an impossible job for anybody but the Spirit? And even he can't get through to the majority of people in this world. Any evidence of that? Yes. That's big time evidence. You know, think about it. In the last hundred years, we were told that World War I would be the war to end all wars. We got the Nobel Peace Prize. And guess what? We got World War II. Now we have the United Nations. Has war stopped? Of course not. We screamed, never again, after the Jewish Holocaust, six million, the hands of the Nazis in the 1940s. 
And today in our own streets, we have ignorant mobs screaming death to the Jews. The world is a seething cauldron of sin. If you came today to be lifted up, I'm sorry. But the word of God is what it says. The the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of sin. And we've got to take a look at exactly how dreadful that is. Yeah, it's a cauldron of sin, this world. The flesh, Satan, a volcano. And think about a volcano and it's spitting out flame and tar and acid, right? And then then it has lava there every once in a while. It gets over the top and then overflows. And when it overflows, that's when human beings experience something of the terror of that cauldron. But that's just the part that boils up over the top. And the fact is that the whole cauldron is on fire. And this is in the world, okay? It's on fire with sin and unbelief and revenge and hatred and murder and immorality. Whoops. It's like full of a cauldron waiting to spill out some more lava every day. Idolatry, enmity, strife, outbursts of anger, greed, dissension. That's the cauldron of this world. And of course, the world is not an abstraction. The world is all unbelievers in opposition to God. We're talking about sin. And let me remind you right now again that we have a presence of that sin in our bodies. It's in our flesh. And it'll be there till we die. In any event, you see, October 7th was just a flare-up. It was the lava spilling over for a time, an eruption. It was terrible, but it was bubbling over of a cauldron of sin. And that cauldron is always raging. Now, after saying all that, Here's what I want to get to. If the world was capable of any self-awareness, they would be fully convinced that man is utterly sinful. They'd be fully convinced. Yet very few people are convinced that man is sinful. Rather, you know, we get world leaders, by the way, declaring that we are in a post-war world. (laughs) We are? We can't be. We can't be. As long as there's the presence of sin in the hearts of men, there will never be a decade where there isn't any war. Oh, there might not be any wars for the United States. But remember, this is a big world. <laughs> you know, I mean, my entire life, I remember there's never, I think about it, there's never been a day when there wasn't a war going on somewhere. And there never will be. We get denials. We get, we're getting better. You know what the, and get political. You know the idea that, that every generation is going to have it better than the one before? Right? And don't, isn't that the, kind of the American creed? Yup, yup, yup. Well, that's just not true. Okay? That would say that man is getting better, by the way. Okay? But man's not getting better. So, yeah. So, by some, some lines drawn in the Wall Street Journal, they might say, yeah, look, we're getting better. By some report of our life expectancy yeah things are getting better but things are, but then you, you can't then we don't want to look at the other side of the coin we don't want to look at the fentanyl explosion we don't want to look at child suicide we don't want to look at all of those things you know mass murderers and and i don't know now huh 
Yeah, human trafficking, you can go on and on. The world's not getting better. One of the things we know from the Bible is that the flesh is actually getting worse. It's getting worse. In the last days, difficult times will come. Right? Not we will end war, we will end poverty. <laughs> We're not. This is the delusion, okay, of people that think about the world in terms of a possible utopia. All we got to do is do A, B, and C. Maybe we have to educate people, and then all our problems will go away. Maybe we have to vote a certain party, and all our problems will go away. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. This is the lie, by the way, of so many false religions and cults. They think man is basically good. That's their first big mistake. They go on from there. Now, if you think man is basically good, why do you need a savior? Hmm, let's get rid of the Savior. And that's what they do. You know, one lie leads to another. So the world doesn't have any self-awareness. The world wants to deny all these things. Pull the wool over our eyes. It, so, how, but how, can, will somebody please explain how this is possible how is it even possible that they can, knowing all of these things, or even a couple of them, knowing what's going on in their own families, how can they possibly say there's no sin in this world? Well, God explained it. Look, for example, at John eight forty four. John eight forty four. This explains it perfectly. Satan is the god of this world. Now think about that. He's the god of this world. He is what the world worships, right? That's a guy. The top of all, the one who calls the shots in this world is Satan. It's the devil. Now, there you go, right? What is the devil? Well, let's read it. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning. He was a murderer from the beginning. And by the way, as soon as the human race listened to him, we became murderers from the beginning. Cain and Abel. Right away. One of the first things we read about in the Bible is murder after man fell. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. There you have it. That explains all of this. That explains how there can be hundreds of millions of people in the last century butchered and the world can stand up and say, we're basically good. Why? Because the God of this world is the murderer and they worship the God of this world and he does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. Whenever he speaks what? A lie. He speaks from his own nature. For he is a a liar and the father of lies. In other words... The only way to explain this is that the world is totally blind, completely, morally blind above all else. Why? Because they've got a ruler who on the one hand is a murderer and on the other hand is a liar. Now, we've seen that in human history, too. Well, yeah, sure, you know, we killed a million people, but they were the bad people. We actually did a good thing. (laughs) Murderer, liar. And so here's the situation that we're dealing with. The nature of sin. He will convict the world of sin. Here's the nature of sin, how evil it really is. It is such that it deceives even itself as to its existence. 
Satan thinks he's a good person. Can you believe that? Sure. Why? Because he's lying to himself too. Everything that he says is a lie. Right? And, and the nature of sin is the same. Like father, like son. It deceives even itself as to its existence. That's why you can go on doing what it's doing and still think it's good. Let me remind you again. You've got that in you. And oh, by the way, the only difference here is that because the, the spirit is now in our hearts, the flesh has to say otherwise instead. See, for, for a Christian, one of the things that the, there's two things the spirit's going to do. One, it's going to say, I'm your friend. Just listen to me. Have a great time. The other thing it's going to do is say, when you don't listen to me, or even when you do, I'm going to try to condemn you so that you don't even think you're a child of God anymore. That's how wicked the flesh really is. And it's there. Thank God the Holy Spirit is there too. Nature of sin is such that it deceives even itself as to its existence. Let's go back to our main passage this morning, John 16, 8. And he, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. In other words, they will be without excuse. Okay, not only has Christ come, but the Spirit comes, has come after him to keep convicting the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. The Holy Spirit is convicting the world. It's convicting them concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. In the book of Romans, Paul actually presents the transcript of the Spirit's case in the court to convict the human race, the whole human race regarding sin, righteousness, and judgment. Mentioned by Jesus in John 16, really detailed in a, in, a, in a totally convincing case to anybody who has eyes to see and ears to hear, that the whole human race is convicted concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. I want to begin with the opening statement of this of this court case that the Spirit makes. Look at Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18. This is the opening statement. Now, as I read this, okay, Romans 1, 8 to 15, opening statement. And as I read this, okay. Oh, yeah, no, I want to say that first. As I read this, Remember those three words. Sin, righteousness, judgment. See, the fascinating thing is that Jesus can say that in one context. And then Paul has a whole other, really other purpose in mind, which is to pre- preach the gospel. But even he has to start with this conviction. He will, he will end up convicting the whole human race. Well, the Holy Spirit does it through the pen of Paul. So as we read these things, I want you to just note the the mention of sin or ungodliness. 
the mention of righteousness, its opposite, unrighteousness, and mentions of judgment, the wrath of God. Right in the court case that the Holy Spirit presents in Romans chapter 118 to 320. Let's, I'm going to read it to you now. All right. When you pretend that I'm, well, this is a stretch, but pretend that I'm the Holy Spirit, which I'm anything but, thank God he's the Holy Spirit, because I know what's going on inside of me. This has an aside, you know, if it wasn't for the presence of the Holy Spirit in my heart, I think I'd either be divorced, in prison, in the hospital, or dead. <laughs> That's a fact. Now, you may not want to admit that about yourself, but see, I have to admit things like that so that you understand that, that you know what, this, this is something that is unavoidable. And if you're lying to yourself this morning and you say to yourself, there's none of that going on in you, well, you're, you're not paying attention to what's going on in your own flesh, okay? Thank God for the Holy Spirit. That's all I can say again. Thank God for the Holy Spirit because I'm not in any of those situations. I can go forward in the Word of God, in the plan of God, despite the despicable stuff that's still in my body. In any event, Romans 1.18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Can you see what happens first? What happens first here? Very first thing, judgment. First, not last, right? Judgment. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Notice that word revealed. See, there's the convicting ministry of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? He's the one who reveals these things to the world. It's revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, sin, and the unrighteousness of men. See, in the very first verse, and isn't that true about an opening statement in court if you've ever have ever seen a good one, they say right away, here's the whole case I'm going to present. And that is that wrath of God is real. It's against ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men. It is against sin and against unrighteousness. Now, what's the issue? Remember, we've seen that that the problem, why does the Holy Spirit have to convict the world of anything? That's the last part of verse 18. Men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. See it? Part of being unrighteous, part of denying God, part of rejecting God, is to then, then you have to suppress the truth from there forward. Can you see that? If you're not going to accept the fact that you're a sinner, if you're not going to accept the fact that there's a standard of righteousness from God, and you're going to still convince yourself that you're a good person, from that moment on, all you can do is suppress the truth. You can't get rid of the fact. I'll suppress it. I'll suppress it in unrighteousness. Now, let's continue this case. I'm going to read through this now. I'm not going to comment on much more because I just want you to hear it this morning. You can hear it here. You know, it's there. Understand, wait a minute. When, 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 when Jesus says the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment, aha, I've got the transcript now because the Holy Spirit gave it to Paul. Verse 19, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. What does that mean? It means that that God has a standard and God made the fact that he exists evident to them, but they're ungodly. So they'll reject God, right? For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. In other words, from the very beginning, 
from the very creation itself. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That should have been enough. Yeah, the very first verse of the Bible should be enough to say, I, I can see him in the stars and how wonderful, magical they are. I can see him in all of his creation, even though it's fallen now. I can still see him everywhere. But, but you know that there's hundreds and millions and billions of people who don't see him. Why? Because they're suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. But since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, right, his eternal power, his divine nature. By the way, <clears throat> let's think about this for a minute. How does the world get around the idea that God created everything? Yeah, come up with a big lie and make it sound so convincing that everyone will believe it. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, there was just a big explosion, you know, and over billions of years, voila, here we all are, right? And there's a lot of people who just sit nodding their heads, yup, yup, that's got to be how it happened, yup, yup. So that's just one example how easy it is to pull the wool over the eyes of the world. Yeah, he was. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, have been understood through what has been made, so they are without excuse. Now, here's, here's what happened. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God. I want you to think about the, the schizophrenia, the craziness involved with that. How can you know God and know he's the creator, and not honor him as God. How is that even possible? Well, the answer is lies. That's how it's possible. You can know something and not believe it. We see that every day of our lives, don't we? We know there's a clear fact out there, and people don't want to believe it. They know it's true, but they don't want to reject it. They don't want to honor the truth. Ultimately, they know God, and they don't honor him as God. They don't give thanks. But instead, they became futile in their speculations. You know, um, you know the, the, the worst part of fallen man isn't even in his body. It's in his mind. The word depraved is most often found in the Bible next to the mind. And doesn't that make sense? I mean, isn't that where it starts? If you say, I know who God is, but I refuse to honor him, recognize him, give him the honor that's due. And how do I continue to, get, continue to live and feel like I'm okay? I just become futile in my speculations. You know, the maybes, the buts. Well, maybe, but here's another explanation I can come up with. Their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise. They became fools. Think about the Nobel Peace Prize. We are so wise now. All we got to do, you know, all we got to do is come up with a great definition of peace. And every year, prop up somebody and say, hey, here it is. Right? They think they're wise. They think they're making progress. But they're fools. They're fools. Exchange the glory of the incorruptible God Here's idolatry for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. 
All of which the book of Genesis, by the way, says God created. Here's the, that's the extent of the, of the deception, of the, rec, of, the, of the recklessness and foolishness and of sin. Yeah, of people, but because of sin, right? They worship, don't they worship corruptible man? You say, what, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is that there are some, well, uh, what I mean by that uh, is, for example, the Greek gods, for example, you know, the, the word humanism. What is, you know what that means? It means that man is the center of all things. That's what it means. I am so glad that is a bald-faced lie. Because if man is the center of all things, then all of these things that are going on in the world is the ultimate reality, is it, right? If man were the center of all things, then the ultimate reality would be murder and blasphemy and idolatry and revenge and hatred. Thank God that's a lie, right? Who's at the center of all things? God. Who is, who is ultimately going to be, be honored as the one who conquered and had victory over sin? Jesus Christ. But you reject that, you, you, you push away God and you put in anything else. Birds. I mean, think about it. How ridiculous is it that someone would say, I'm going to worship a bird. Right? A bird. But even worse, four-footed animals. I'm going to worship a pig now. I'm going to worship a cow. You may say, nobody would fall for that. Well, have you ever heard of the Hindu religion in, 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 this, in the country of India? They worship a cow. The deception. Crawling creatures. Oh, my goodness. How could you worship a crawling creature? Well, there's gods out there that are serpents. Supposedly gods. There's no such thing as a god other than Christ. But they worship crawling creatures. I'm going to worship a snake this week. By the way, you know what? It's, don't, don't get too upset about it because you want to know something. God's people in the desert did the same thing. They said, Let's build a golden calf and worship it. <laughs> they, will have, they just watched the God of the universe show his omnipotence in rescuing them from the greatest empire in the world at the time and actually splitting a sea to get them through and so that they would never see the, Roman, uh, the Egyptian army again. And then a few months later, they're like, well, Moses is up there. I guess he's talking. Like, I don't know what's going on up there, but, man, we, we feel like we've got to worship something down here. Right? And Moses hasn't told us anything in a while. So let's just take, you know, all of those, all that gold, and God said, here, you can have it. Right? Well, of course, he meant it so that they would come and they would build the tabernacle with it. But no. <laughs> no, they built a golden calf and bowed down and worshiped to it. So don't, don't, don't think for a minute that this is not inside man. It, it's everywhere. The, so then he says, so he says again, exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. By the way, the ultimate manifestation of this, by the way, is going to be the beast during the tribulation period. Once again, you're going to have a corruptible man being raised up as God. Verse 24, therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for what? 
A lie. That's all it takes. All it takes is a lie. And worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Well, I'm going to stop here. Because I'm not sure if I can take any more this morning. <laughs> but here's the thing. You know, um, I'm probably going to go on in Romans 1. It's just, I'll tell you why, right? I'll give you, we're not going to read it today. But here's what happens. Romans 1, 26, like the right through to 2, 2 exposes the wretchedness of the depravity of man. If we had gotten there today, I was going to challenge you. Well, you know what? Let's do it. we got a couple of minutes here. You can get the idea. You can go back to this and really you know, build yourself up for the next few days if you want to read it again. But I'm going to read it right now. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind. That's what they wanted. He just says, sure, go ahead. And to those things that are not proper, being filled with all unright. Here we go. This is a description of sin. And this is a description of what's still going on in your body. Being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, as if there's not enough already, disobedient to parents without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. But you know what? There's no sin. You know, man's perfectible. I guarantee you that when I was reading through this, Number one, you can think about examples in this world of every one of those things. Number two, you probably have other people in your life that you're thinking about. Well, they're full of deceit. They're full of malice. They hate their parents. They don't understand a thing. But let me remind you, this is in you. This is in you. And that's what Paul's going to go on to talk about. Anyone who wants to judge anybody else has to understand that we've been guilty of the same things as well. And so when you wake up in the morning someday in the next week or so and you start to have thoughts that you don't understand where they come from and try as you might, you can't battle them. You can't get rid of them. And you may get on a, a, like for a week or so maybe, you'll say, man, everything in the word of God is just popping, is on fire and I love it all. And you really do because the new you really does. But then, you know what? Then the flesh is going to come back and try to ruin it all. So this, what I'm saying is that this, I hope you take comfort when I describe this to you today and don't think, you know what? There's something wrong with me, and I'm the only one. I look at all these people in the church, and they're so nice, and they're so holy, and they say, praise the Lord. I must be the only one. You're not the only one, right? Maybe what it is is that you're just a little more honest about what's really going on in the flesh. And that's a good thing, to be honest about it. Not a good thing to have to go through it, but a great thing to be honest about it. Because then, all the time, and this is my life, all the time, you'll sit back and you'll say to yourself, thank God for Jesus Christ. Thank God that I don't have to battle this any longer. I can't, I, can't, I find out that I'm defeated every time when I try to do it. So I'm just going to wave the white flag once again. I can't do it. 
And then I know Holy Spirit's going to take, but he's going to take over anyway, by the way. It's not like, it's not like we make a decision and the Holy Spirit's finally going to act. No, it's, you know what we do? Though? We stop trying to do it ourselves. You know, it's like, I'm not very handy, okay? I'll, I'll leave this illustration. I'm not handy at all. But every once in a while, I get it in my mind. I'm going to do this. I'm going to have a project. I'm going to fix it. And like nine times out of ten, it's worse after I finish. If you were to drive by my house today, you would see that the, that the outdoor light is missing, like the lantern part. Because I, could, I, I took it apart and I changed the light bulb. I couldn't put it back together again. Like Humpty Dumpty. So it's only when we say to ourselves, I'm going to stop doing that. And then I'm just going to understand that there is somebody at work who can do this. Thank God. All right, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you once again this morning for as tough as it might be to face some of these things, Father. We know that everything in your word is designed to build us up. We know that the things in our flesh, Satan means for evil. But we know that even those things you have meant for our good to convince us that there's nothing good in us and and to convince us that we need to despair of anything about our own abilities and just praise you and rely on you. We thank this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All righty. So, so yeah, we'll have a Bible study this Thursday at 6.30. Anytime you want, you can go on our website, www.lbible.org, and you can give us your prayer requests. And, boy, we all need prayer. I hope you're praying for me. No, I mean that deadly seriously. I hope you're praying for me. Because you might say to yourself, you know, man, he gets here on Sunday, and, man, all this stuff is really, I, wow, you know, this is, where's this coming from? I'll tell you where it's coming from. It's coming from agony and pain and difficulty. That's where it's coming from, if you want to know. That's where it's coming from. So, have a great day. <laughs> Take care. Really, really do have a great day today. I hope you enjoy this Sunday, and just again, enjoy the, just relax, stop trying to fix yourself, and just sit back and say, I'm going to have some rough days, I'm going to go through things that I don't understand, I'm going to not, I'm going to be really upset with myself, but then I can stop all of that once in a while and peek up to heaven and say, I'm glad you're up there. So have a great day, have a great week. Hope to see some of you on Thursday for Bible study.